Hey everybody, this is Kim Doyle from Grant Thornton and you're listening to the Tax Time podcast, the show that covers all the latest in tax and for people who like to be kept informed. Today is a special episode of the Tax Time podcast. We are discussing the upcoming budget due to be announced by the Minister for Finance, Pascal Dunhoo, and the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, Michael McGrath, on the 27th of this month. I am joined by my colleagues, Sarah Murders, International Tax Director, and Kevin Deveni, our VAT Director. We know that Budget 2023 presents the ministers with the difficult challenge challenge of balancing the demands of housing, climate and the cost of living and energy prices. The Budget 2023 tax package was expected to cost in the region of one billion, but latest reports leaked suggest that this figure could be closer to double that. Really, whatever the final costings, what is vital is that the budget has a real impact on the cost of living and energy crises. We are also very mindful of the government's annual taxation report, which was published earlier this month. This report highlights the risks in the tax base due to the heavy reliance on two revenue streams, corporation tax and income tax, and really the serious repercussions for public finances should there be a shock to either of these taxes. Also, as part of his comments on this report, the Minister for Finance noted that the report will complement the work of the Commission on Taxation and Welfare. Now, the report from the Commission on Taxation and Welfare has been published recently. And in that report, the long-term over-dependence on corporation tax receipt is noticed as posing a significant um, sustainability risk and should be avoided at all costs. So, Kevin, there's a lot to consider there, you know, focusing on the cost of living and the inflationary environment. Where do you see the Minister for Finance making changes in our tax system? Hey, Kim. Yeah, I think the customary changes around uh, the tinkering or changing of income tax bans and credits is most likely to feature in the budget uh, later in the month. Uh, the government's aim is to adjust the income tax bans and credits um, so that the middle income earners don't climb into or enter into the 40% tax bracket as soon as as, as they have in, pre- in the past. Um, in previous budgets, uh, the bans been increased by roughly 1,000 to 1,500 euro. And personal tax credits have been adjusted, um, and POE credits adjusted by about 100 euro. Um, um, if you were to look at the leaks in the media recently, um, the adjustments may go, go as high as two and a half thousand, uh, which is higher than usual, um, and the credits uh, remain or, or will be adjusted by about 100 euro each. There's been also some inklings around or um, suggestions that the USC rate will be. Bans will be increased uh, so as to lower the amount of USC that um, um, individuals will pay. There's been a lot of talk recently around a, a 30% um, income tax rate, um, but there's been some political pushback on that. Um, but recent reports from the Tonish's office would suggest that it's still on the table. Just on the the, the recent uh, Commission on Taxation and Welfare report, um, that's qu- quieter. It's silent on a possible 30% income tax rate, but um, they would be focused more on broadening the income tax base um, over the medium to long term. And Kevin, is there anything that could be done to tackle the energy crisis, do you think? Yeah, it's, Kim, it's something that's it's on everyone's mind. It's affecting everyone. Um, the, the rising cost of electricity and gas. Um, in, pre, in, in the past, the government have obviously introduced or applied the 9% VAT rate to the supplies of electricity and gas, but that um, provision is due to expire on the 31st of October 2022. So the natural thing for the minister to do is to extend that out. There's been also a lot of discussion in the media around uh, increasing energy tax credits. And it's anticipated that individuals and business will benefit from uh, credits. Uh, there's been suggestion there's up to three different types of uh, three three different three credits of 200 euro each, maybe maybe coming down the tracks. 
There's also been some uh, suggestions that grants will be made available for energy efficient products. And obviously there's been changes at a European level on uh, the VAT rates that can be applied to certain energy efficient products like solar panels. Um, so reducing the VAT rate there may also help uh, the end cons consumer. The one thing the government have to bear in mind is that there has been or there is there may be a shortfall in carbon tax uh, revenue because of the gradual phasing out of fossil fuels. So the government will need to bear that in mind and and, and also be cognizant of previous commitments that they have made to increasing carbon taxes um, out to 2030. So um, it's a, it's a, it really is a balancing act there for the government. It certainly sounds like there is a lot that com can be done, Kevin, but I suppose, as you said, balancing it with other targets and shortfalls. You know, we, we closely reviewed the Commission on Taxation and Welfare report that was published recently. And, you know, while these proposals are more medium to long term and kind of look through the current inflationary environment, is there anything specific in that report on the energy crisis or around just what you've discussed in terms of what you would like to see in the budget or what could be done? Yeah, so... Uh I, I kind of, um, it's part of what I mentioned earlier around the energy crisis and and the 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 lowering of certain VAT rates. But the commission and the report is 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 focused really on overhauling um, temporary. They they don't agree um, with short term measures around uh, temporary VAT rates, um, and they're they're looking actually to overhaul um, and change. Um, the the lower uh, VAT rates. So they've commented on. Um, uh, the different VAT rates that are in Ireland um, and the, the main rates being 0, 9, 13.5 and 23%. And the Commission has commented on, on and are, are seeking that certain products within the zero rating category are increased um, to, to take effect of the green agenda or um, where Europe is going from a, a green agenda um, perspective. But over time, the Commission are, are looking for a, a, an overhaul of the application of the 9% and the 13.5% rate. And what they're, what they're proposing is that those rates would increase gradually um, so that they effectively ultimately become to 23% rate. They do agree with what has been done around the VAT rate, the 9% VAT rate applying to electricity and gas, and that being a, a temporary measure to help um, the energy crisis that is ongoing. Um, but in the long term or medium term, they, they want uh, the 9% and 13.5% made redundant effectively. Um, they, they think or feel that um, there's a very low uh, VAT to revenue ratio within the country, um, given the complexities and the number of rates we have. They've commented on that Ireland, fair enough, have the fourth highest standard rate of VAT in Europe, but they also have an extensive range of goods and services that will have the zero rate of VAT applied to and the reduced rate of VAT. Um, so they're looking for, effectively, um, in a nutshell, for the 9% and 13.5% rate to, over time, be phased out, while also kind of commenting on that, that the changing of those rates has to be cognizant of the green agenda. Certainly a lot to consider there, Kevin, um, and a lot of proposals be it you know what we might see in the budget in terms of short-term uh, responses to the cost of living and energy crisis and then maybe more long-term as you said in the commission and taxation report and um, sarah if i may move to you um i suppose hi sarah firstly um on a, on a slightly different topic um i suppose looking at corporation tax receipts and what's very fresh in my mind is the warnings recently in the government's annual taxation report 
I suppose considering all of that, how do you see corporate tax policy supporting Ireland's competitive position on the international stage? Hi Kim, yeah and thanks for that and yeah I think as you say we definitely have seen a surge in corporate tax receipts over the past number of years. Corporate tax now represents 19% of the total tax revenue so it is the third largest tax head and just to put a bit of colour in the numbers when you look back um, to, to the past in 2009 our corporate tax take was 3.8 billion whereas in 2021 we were hitting 15.3 billion so a really significant increase and then we move on to 2022 and for the first eight months of the year we're at 11.8 billion so 4.8 billion ahead of the same period in 2021 so it has really been kind of a stark increase in where we were historically to where we are now in the terms of the corporate tax take and I think another really important point to flag or to highlight is the concentration of receipts emanating from the FDI sector and the commission report really flagged that we shouldn't be relying on, you know, a small cohort of taxpayers at the FDI sector as being a sustainable means of funding the public expenditure into the future. So there are the risks of volatility. So we're vulnerable to shifts in the international tax landscape, changes in corporate tax strategy or future downturn, either at macro or industry level. And just picking up on the concentration of the corporate tax receipts. So multinationals account for 80% of the corporate tax receipts in 2021. Um, and in terms of the 10 largest corporate taxpayers, they accounted for 53%. So it is a really small number that's kind of driving the increase um, in that tax take. What does it mean for the budget and you know the Department of Finance? I think it really shows that um, it's so critical for Ireland to remain an attractive jurisdiction for FDI. I think tax is only one of the levers that's used to attract and retain this. So I think the overall infrastructure and talent pool are also key to, to supporting that sector. And on the corporate tax side, there's also uncertainty around the move to the minimum tax rate and the introduction of pillar one and pillar two changes. So we would certainly welcome certainty around the future changes, acknowledging that these changes must be agreed at an international um, level. Um, so I think it's fair to say the tax regime has really contributed um, to the attraction of FDI to Ireland, but it isn't just the tax rate. It's the long lasting commitment to provide a stable, clear rules based business environment. And that's really what we want to see um, in the budget and finance bill. And thanks for that, Sarah. I, I know myself um, when we were looking at the annual tax report there a few weeks back from government, it certainly highlighted the, you know, the positive CT um, funds coming into the exchequer, but also then I suppose the over-reliance and you, you, you've highlighted there kind of outside of the rates, there's other areas that we need to focus on as well in terms of remaining um, attractive as an FDI location. We've seen a lot in recent budgets, kind of more like tweaks that have been made to this regime. And I know we are all working closely with many clients, you know, who claim the R&D tax credit regime. But really, is there more needed or, or has there been enough done in recent budgets, do you think? Yeah, I think um, at the outset, I, I'd just like to say the R&D tax credit, I think it's a really important foundation. It plays an important role in the tax system and does encourage a strong innovation culture across the economy. 
Um, and when you look at the claimants and the statistics around it, it typically is claimed by kind of foreign owned multinational large corporates as opposed to the SME sector. So I definitely do think there's an impro improvements and enhancements that can be made to encourage SMEs to claim it and make it kind of um, more administratively um, straightforward to make the claims. So what we would like to see as part of, you know, budget and finance bill changes would be around potentially bringing in a pre-approval process whereby SMEs can get assurances from revenue that, you know, the activities do qualify and the kind of costs that should be pulled into the claim. We'd also like to see um, a year one refund for SMEs. So currently the tax credit where you're in a loss making scenario, the cash is spread over a three year period. And given that these kind of startups and R&D intensive businesses typically make losses for the initial um, number of years, we would like to see that refund being expedited to year one to really provide a strong support and cash flow to those early stage R&D intensive businesses. Um, another change we would like to see, and this is probably less for the SME sector, more for the larger groups, is in tandem with Pillar 2 coming in to make it a qualified um, regime and credit. We would like to see it um, being tweaked such that it is a refundable tax credit as opposed to um, the offset against corporate tax, just to kind of um, preserve the benefits of it in tandem with these new rules that will come in. And then one final area that we would recommend is trying to align the R&D tax credit with R&D grants and funding. There currently is some guidance for small R&D claims where you're claiming um, certain R&D grants that revenue have provided assurances that they won't look at the science test. We'd like to, we think there's further room for improvement in that area and it's something we would like to see um, brought in. So lots more, Sarah, certainly needed in, in the space of the R&D tax credit regime. And moving back then to the Commission on Taxation and Welfare report that was published recently and that we've all um, looked at closely. Sarah, um, if I might stick with you, please. Are any of the proposals or do any of the proposals sorry, in that report uh, stand out to you as they relate to businesses? Yeah, there's a couple that I might touch on. The first is probably around share schemes. I think there's a general view within the economy that we really lack a fit for purpose share scheme that can be used to successfully attract and retain talent. And that is a gap in our system. Keep was brought in a number of years ago, but the uptake has been really low due to really onerous conditions around it. Um, the report you, you spoke about refers to keeping broadened. In our view, this will be a very welcome and attractive tool and incentive for Irish business in particular within the SME sector. Another area that might garner interest would be in the simplification and harmonisation of how funds, life assurance policies and investment products are taxed. It's a notoriously complex area and difficult to navigate and any simplification of rules of the approach will be very welcome. Um, and finally, there's been a lot of talk around a review of the IREF regime, which is within the fund space where they hold property and the tax take that's kind of been um, that the exchequer has received in respect of these funds and that's due to conclude at the end of 2023. It seems like a really long period for such a review with a lot of uncertainty being generated on the back of it and it is a really important sector to the funds and FS space that drives the Irish economy and we would recommend that kind of review be expedited and again coming back to that theme of certainty to remove any uncertainty that might be linked to such a review that might have ne negative repercussions for the wider financial services industry. So Sarah there's a lot certainly to consider there. 
So the Commission on Taxation and Welfare has some emotive and controversial proposals on capital taxes. What are your thoughts on this area? Yeah, Kim, and they're probably the headlines that would have um, people would have seen in the papers and the broadsheets. And there certainly are some what we would see as being reasonably extreme recommendations, such as removing principal private property relief, whereby houses being passed on to children currently are exempt and it would bring them within the tax net. So could have really significant um, tax charges, which is, you know, very different from where we are now. Um, another headline was around the cash thresholds. So currently, you know, parents can um, give gifts or inheritances to children up to 335,000 without triggering a tax charge. And there is a view that they should be reduced down significantly. Our view is that this would be quite a perverse move. And we think other avenues such as broadening the tax base, in particular, the income tax um, system should be considered. Um, and just coming on to that, I think, when you look at the personal tax net, um, there's a lot of individuals in Ireland that are actually excluded from the personal tax net, and we view that as being increasingly problematic. When you look at it, 28% of income tax earners actually pay no income tax at USE. Um, and in 2021, 25% of income earners paid 83% of the income tax in USE. So we definitely think an avenue that should be pursued is kind of broadening the base and kind of sharing um, the load amongst more individuals and kind of um, income earners. And the last point just on the capital taxes is there were suggestions within the report that CGT potentially be introduced on death. So currently disposals on death do not fall within the CGT net or regime. However, the commission did recommend that such transfers be regarded as a disposal for CGT purposes, which would result in tax arising thereon at a rate of 33%. So it is very different to the current situation. And we anticipate there would be a very strong reaction if this were to be introduced in the future. So certainly a lot of complex and technical measures and, you know, we've just been discussing. And with all that in mind, you know, how is all this administered? You know, certainly simplification of the tax system is something, you know, we strongly feel is needed for our clients, all taxpayers and all tax advisors. With that in mind, Kevin, you know, what measures would you like to see introduced in the budget around simplification of the tax system? Yeah, Kim, it's it's something that's it's it can provide benefit not just to to the taxpayer but also to to revenue and the exchequer as a whole. Um, in our view, a phase program of modernisation, and particularly in, in in VAT, which is very close to my heart, um, could be considered. And if you look across the water to the UK, um, they they have introduced a, a scheme known as making tax digital, um, which which has been successful. Um, it got off to a slow start, but it has been successful, and it in effect requires all of that registered businesses to keep reg records digi digitally, uh, and to file the returns using electronic software. So it gives the 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 tax authority instant information, um, and it allows the the easy flow of information between revenue and and the taxpayer. Um, but it's it's just so much more efficient. Um, I understand that Irish Revenue are are looking at introducing such a scheme, and such a scheme would probably looked at and being introduced on a phase basis, and maybe focusing on on businesses who trade internationally in the first instance, but then going to the more domestic business, which is trading domestically only, and that the, this making that tax digital would be introduced from an Irish uh, tax perspective. 
Um, the Commission in its report, just going back to, to them, have concerns around the extensive record requirements of businesses, the cost of hiring tax, the tax advisor, and 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 with every business that is registered for tax, they, they carry the risk off of of having a revenue audit or an audit on, on claims uh, that they've made, just to say in regard to R and D or even a VAT claim, and that sometimes can act as a barrier to uh, businesses claiming the reliefs or kind of the the efficient uh, and effective administration of the tax. So. I think in time we'll see um, Irish revenue um, uh, going even further into the whole digital uh, world and and automating the further the the administration of tax. Thanks, Kevin and Sarah. Have you any thoughts on the simplification agenda? Yeah, just a very brief comment, uh, Kim. Mine is really just around corporate tax returns. Um, they now run to forty-seven pages, so they have got longer and longer every year. And we're of the view that the tax return really should be condensed and streamlined. Um, and the last area we'd like to see in the corporate tax side, the surcharges and interest regime for late returns um, are really significant. They're higher than other jurisdictions. And we would like to see both the surcharge and interest being reduced to more commercial or reasonable levels. Thanks, Sarah, for, for that. So I suppose before we finish up, um, Kevin and Sarah, is there any final thoughts in advance of budget 2023? Yeah, so we're looking forward to budget day, Kim, and really seeing what the minister will announce, notwithstanding the fact that there will probably be a lot of leakages in advance, which has been the latest trend. Um, the focus will likely be on the spending side, complemented by changes to the personal tax credits and rate bans. But I think we all will be watching with interest some of the comments on the corporate and international tax side. Great, uh, Sarah, thanks very much. We certainly will be watching very closely, um, certainly the, the days leading up to the budget and budget day, of course, and, and the days following. Thanks very much, uh, Kevin and Sarah, and thanks for listening to this special budget 2023 episode of Tax Time. Visit our website where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive our budget 2023 special and register also for our live webinar, which will be held on the 28th of September. On this webinar, you will hear our expert panel discussing the impact of the measures for you and your businesses together with the wider economic impact.